Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, a ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping people live in freedom because life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. Today, I have a really special guest with us today, Debbie Alsdorf. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning. You can find her online at DebbieAlsdorf.com. I'm going to spell that A-L-S-D-O-R-F.com. She's an author of 12 books, including It's Momplicated, published by Tyndale House Publishers, and Deeper, Living in the Reality of God's Love, released by Revel. And she loves to help women live a better story. And she does this by leading them to the heart of God's love for them for the and to the truth of His Word. Today we're going to be talking about something I have seen affect so many, and that's fear of rejection. We're going to talk about its roots, where it comes from a lot of times, the lies that are often attached to it, the truths, God's truths that can counter those lies, and how we can take steps towards freedom. Now, Debbie, I know this is has been an important issue for you that you God has taken you on a journey of really anchoring you deeper in his love and and I know past hurts and past rejections have really played a big part of that in in prior to the healing, I should say. So can you tell mm-hmm. us just a little bit about your story? Yes, like everybody, um my story began at home and um I loved my parents. I was raised as an only child, but we had a very less than perfect home life. Most particularly, my mother, it turned out, had never wanted me. So she kept herself at arm's length from me my whole childhood. And as a little girl, all I ever wanted was my mother's love. And so I tried to do everything I could to get it. The best way I could sum up how critical she was and how distant she was um, is a story that I tell women that my senior year in high school, I was voted as homecoming queen. Up to that point, I was an A student, overachiever to try to get my mother's attention. Mm. Um, But that night when I was voted homecoming queen by my peers, the next morning I took the crown where my mother was drinking coffee and reading the paper and I twirled around and I said, mom, look, I'm the queen. And I thought, finally, she was maybe going to be proud of me. And because nothing else seemed to work. And She put her coffee cup down and put her paper in her lap. And she said, they must have miscounted the votes. At that moment, this was the lie that was formed in me. Not only had I been rejected too many times by my own mother, but I knew that I was not enough. It kind of sealed a certain kind of pain within me at a young age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that actually, so it attached that feeling of rejection and criticism it attacked your core identity, it sounds yes. like. Yes, it did. I felt that I was not enough and that there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So that's what attached to me from a very young age. Now, somebody that feels that there is something wrong with them chronically, you don't go tell people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you've learned to be a people pleaser, people pleaser and overachiever, which many people with deep wounding, insecurity, mm-hmm. and rejection do. Uh, they either go one way or the other. They isolate or they try to get love in any way they can. Mm-hmm. I was one that became a uh, over-the-top people pleaser and did everything I could mm-hmm. to try to get acceptance from people. In fact, acceptance from others became the most important thing to me even after I became a Christian, because nobody ever explained to me that maybe there was a belief within me that Jesus wanted to heal. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I came to Jesus my first year in college, and I just pushed forward with, uh, now I'm not only trying to please people, but I'm doing everything in my power to try to please God so that I won't be rejected there either. The problem with rejection, though, when it is a core lie, when it is something hooked into you, is that it creates such deep insecurity that you might not even be aware of. I didn't look insecure on the outside. I looked like an overachiever. Right. That that lie deep on the inside causes you to act in certain ways and to react in certain ways that might not be healthy or the best for you. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to touch on two things that you said there. One, I think is so, so important. How often our relationship with humans can hinder our view of God, our relationship with God. And you talked about a fear of rejection with God. Now, did you recognize that you had that fear or did you later look back at some of your behaviors and say that fear translated or transferred into my spiritual life? No, I think most of us don't know the fears that we have. Sure. I don't think it's something that we recognize. In fact, in all of my earlier years, I never recognized it. I just kept operating according to it without realizing it. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And so here's another great question, because I've actually found that to be true a lot of times when you're dealing with women, because, well, with people in general, we live in a very performance-based yes. world. Yes. And even in the church, sometimes we forget about the grace that brought us to Jesus. Yes. Same grace that carries us through our walk. Yes. And so we don't even know when we're performing right. or trying to measure up or the fears connected. So how can women, well, and men too, I apologize for that, but how can we together, how can we start to recognize when we have maybe a gut reaction or a defense mechanism rise up? How can we begin to go deeper to the fear and then the root, the lie that's involved there? Well, I think that that is a very big question that I don't know if we can fully unpack real quickly. But in a nutshell, what I would say is this. Most of us don't recognize our lies until something in our life happens. There's some kind of crash and burn type of thing. Usually that does not happen until we're a little bit older, like maybe past our 20s. Uh, Sometimes as early as mid-20s. I see that happen to young women in their mid-20s. But so for instance, for me, Um, When I was in my mid-30s, I went through an unwanted divorce. Now, you fast forward from from me feeling it wasn't enough for my mother, and then I went through an unwanted divorce. And now now I'm sure I am a not enough girl. This is is who I am. But the pain of that was Mm -hmm. so deep that then I began taking that pain to Jesus to try to find out, like, was that pain really just my ex-husband? Was that pain really just my mother? Mm -hmm. Was that pain really that there was something horribly wrong with me 
Where did that pain come from? And, and I really am passionate about people knowing this is that we spend our lives trying to just maintain the yard, so to speak. We're cutting off the weeds, basically, mm-hmm. making it look pretty, making it presentable, making it look good. The problem is if we don't get to the root of the pain or the root of the weed, mm-hmm. so to speak, if we don't let Jesus touch us and heal us there, we will spend our whole lives chronically insecure, or in this case, chronically fearing rejection. Um, And so how we get to that root of that is when we finally get to the place when we're like, I cannot take this pain anymore, then maybe we're brave enough to take a little glimpse at uh, our storyline up to that point. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we stay there a long time, mm-hmm. but we really have to look at our storyline at some point because we were shaped there and we were formed there. Mm-hmm. And when and we ask Jesus to give us a discernment as we're looking at it so that we don't get stuck in the weeds, mm-hmm. so to speak, sure. but we can just acknowledge like, yeah, I can kind of see where this pain happened. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see why I felt rejected. Now, interesting. Let me say this about rejection. I was completely accepted by all my peers, mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. but I never felt like I was. Right, right. Because the rejection was within me. It wasn't so much what was done to me by others. It was a lie that began forming in me very, very young. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to say, you know, on the flip side of that, though, when I was brave enough to look at my own story and own my own story and ask Jesus to heal me in the midst of my true story, not my pretend story. Right. Right. I was brave enough to ask for that healing started coming. And I would have to say that I do not have that same kind of insecurity or fear of rejection that I carried with me my whole life. Right. And let's talk about that for a bit, because when I speak to people, a lot of times they will ask me, like, how do I get to that place? How do I get to the place where this doesn't hurt so badly anymore? And one thing I always stress, so often when the deeper the pain, a lot of times when we're in survival mode, we shove it down. Mm-hmm. And like when you were as a child, you didn't have time probably, or even the mental capacity to understand everything that was going on. Sure. And a lot of times when we reach a place of maybe stability or crisis, it could be either, and God will allow just a wave of pain Mm -hmm. to rush forth. And I found in my own life, that can be scary. Yes. It it can feel overwhelming. Like this is never going to stop hurting. Yes. And so we want to, there's, I think we want to distract, to distance, to Mm -hmm. numb. Yes. And, And you talked about with your story and just explaining what happened with you, how you, you mentioned hitting pause basically and feeling that with Jesus. Is that, I mean, has that been a big part for you where you said, okay, I'm going to just hit pause and feel this. Yes. Well, okay. So for me, I ended up um, at one point in my life Mm -hmm. in a very deep depression. Mm -hmm. And in that place, um, anyone who has been depressed knows that it's very scary. Mm-hmm. And I was a single mother at that time. And in that place, not only did I push pause, mm-hmm. but I desperately came to Jesus and said, I need to start over because I have a feeling like I don't even understand you. I don't right. understand myself. I don't understand life because you have to understand I was always trying to be really good. Mm-hmm. I was always trying to say the right things, do the right things because it was acceptance at all costs. Mm-hmm. And even 
though I did all that, two key people in my life rejected right. me. Right. So that, that really, really confused me early on. Now with Jesus, this is what I found. This is what I still find to this day when I get triggered, which does happen. You will always get triggered right. to, with, with maybe a previous wound or a pre- previous mindset, but we can overcome that. But during the depression, uh, Jesus taught me in a new and living way about his love for me. I had been a Christian for 17 years in ministry, uh, vocational ministry as a pastor's wife for 12 of those years, taught the Bible to countless numbers of women during those early years. However, I did not understand at a deeper level God's love for me mm-hmm. in the middle of my depression. Um, it's going to sound really silly here, so bear with me. This isn't really a formula for anybody, but it is some it, four core truths that I learned that I continue mm-hmm. to learn deeper and deeper and deeper, probably till I take my last breath. But in Psalm 139, when I was depressed, I just read the Psalm out loud to myself three times a day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an antidote for depression. It was just something to help me get through. Mm-hmm. As I began reading it, not the first pass, not the second pass, not the third pass, but as I began reading it, probably about week two, it was as if my Bible had was highlighted. And all of a sudden, I saw four truths pop out that mm-hmm. I thought, if I really believed those things, mm-hmm. I would maybe be healed. And those four things were that he knows me, mm-hmm. that he protects me. Mm-hmm. That he made me on purpose, actually, that he made me and that he values those that he made. Mm-hmm. And I started reflecting just on those four truths, reflecting meaning in a, in a pit of depression and rejection. I would set my little Timex sports watch at the time for every hour on the hour. And when it would go off, mm-hmm. I would be focusing on one of those truths and thanking God for them. And mm-hmm. over the years, I've been asking him to show me at a deeper level, which each one of those means. Mm-hmm. Jesus, show me what it means that you know me. Let me just mm-hmm. say this about rejection and about our heart and about healing, because this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. It says, it says there that he knows what we will say even before mm-hmm. we say it. Mm-hmm. That's how much he knows us. And Jesus says that out of our heart is that what our, where our mouth speaks. So right. what that was saying to me is that he knows my heart. Right. If he knows my heart, he can mm-hmm. heal my heart. If mm-hmm. he knows my heart, he knows every place it's been fractured up Absolutely. to this point. And that is where freedom started for me. Yes. You know, and actually that verse you referenced about where out of the heart, the mouth speaks, God used that to bring me on a step to freedom as well. We were, I hate moving. It's a big trigger for me. And I was going through a lot of just uncertainty and upheaval. And so it was a big trigger. And, And I had popped off an email, you know, one of those emails. Mm-hmm. That and the minute I popped it off, it was I I felt God's prick in my spirit, and I apologized for the email. Um, but the person I sent it to forwarded it to oh, that's fun. And I found out later when they con- when somebody who received it contacted me. But as I was rehashing all of that, because I reacted, I would call. I showed my ugly, mm-hmm. what I didn't want to show, what I was what I so didn't want people to see. And I felt powerless to let, to, to suppress my ugly. And so I'm in a hotel. We're doing this, this house shopping, I guess, which is another big trigger for me. (laughs) And I, everybody in the hotel is asleep, my family, my daughter, my husband. And so I'm, I'm just wrestling with God. And I said, why, 
did I behave that way? Because I was so terrified because I didn't want to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I was likely going to do it again mm-hmm. when, when I became stressed and squeezed. And it was that verse, that passage that he brought me to. And immediately, I thought back to a really deep hurt that I thought I had forgiven. Surface level, I had been so, I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving. I forgive right, this person. Right. I had never healed. Yes, yes. And so that's kind of what you were talking about. And I wanted to also address, you had mentioned how you were trying to fill this, basically this need mm-hmm. in your own strength, it sounds like, and in your own wisdom. And it sounds like everything changed when you let God fill that need. Yes, I had spent my whole life trying to get other people to love me. Because mm-hmm. remember, if your core belief is that you're not enough, you are going to try to be enough. Right. So I spent my whole life without even realizing it, um, living for other people and trying to get them to love me. And I have found over the years that this is really a problem for people in ministry, um, especially because in ministry, you can get a lot of praise or you can get a lot of criticism, but in either case, it will keep you on the wheel more than any other thing I can think of. And so for me, um, as a now divorced pastor's wife, feeling like a failure. Yeah. I mean, off of the wheel. Jesus literally invited me off of the wheel. Yeah. And he said, come to me, get real with me, yeah. get back to basics, and I'll reset you for living. Yeah. So get real for me meant that I had to take the mask off even in front of Jesus. Mm. And I had to ask him, show me myself. Mm. Show me. Yeah, it was really scary because I had a sense that there was something in me that really needed to be touched and healed. Now, what I was surprised by when Jesus began healing me was that it wasn't a shame type of journey. It was a sacred healing journey. Um, It wasn't that Jesus was pointing his finger at me and saying, you bad girl, this is why you're not enough. No, he lovingly Mm -hmm. let me remember a couple kind of episodes in my life where all of a sudden it clicked like, no wonder, no wonder that would be normal to assume that you weren't okay. And I've been living my whole life trying to numb that pain. You know, unaddressed pain always leads to some kind of uh, addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it, it could be drinking too much, drugs, whatever. Uh, for, for Christians, it could be um, a, an addiction to uh, being liked or loved, or mm-hmm. it could be an addiction to appearances. It can be eating too much to numb yourself, well, shopping too much, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But Jesus even wants to heal us at that core of a level mm-hmm. so that we are no longer living to numb ourselves Mm-hmm. but we are living in freedom. And so for me, it went back to learning what it meant to live loved. I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I began asking Jesus to show me, I need to know your love for me. It needs to be the most important thing. Now, I would like to say this, the way you know that Jesus is truly touching you at a heart level and that it's him and not your wishful thinking mm-hmm. is you no longer um, are offended by the people that supposedly hurt you Amen. along the way. Instead, or, or today. Yeah, you're opened up to, okay, they're people just like me. Right. Um, we're just all in this thing called life that is very hard sometimes. And I was just affected by their actions right. and reactions to me right. the same way other people are affected by me. So you start having this very big heart, this very big like right. openness to right. love, not only right. God, but to love others, which... Hello, that's what he said is the most important thing. Right. Here's the deal. 
when we are living in chronic rejection, we cannot actually um, love God with all of us or love others in the way, mm-hmm. the, the best way that sure, he has planned for, sure. for us because our focus, sadly, is too much on us. Now, that's hard for somebody who's depressed or rejected to hear. Mm-hmm. I know. I've been there because mm-hmm. we just want everyone just having all the feels for us. Right. But the truth is we need to get our attention off of ourselves. Now, back to Psalm 139 really quick. Mm-hmm. Those me things. No, He knows me, protects me, made me, values me. Well, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians said, the love of God compels me, mm-hmm. so I no longer want to live for myself but for him. So mm-hmm. it doesn't become a me, me, me life or mm-hmm. a me, me, me message. But here's the truth. Mm-hmm. Nobody can connect to the Father for you but you. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take care of you but you. And as Paul said, when I know the love of God, it influences me so deeply that I don't want to live for anybody or anything else. And that is the journey that I've been on. You mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to touch on more. I often tell people to stop owning other people's perceptions and poor behaviors and opinions. And so yeah. often if we're we're trying to please them, we're owning things that yeah. absolutely don't belong to us. And so Alan Arnold, Alan Arnold from he's former vice president of Thomas Nelson Publishing, he compares and contrasts orphan mentality versus freedom mentality. Yes, this is and, totally what I'm talking about. Right, exactly. And how orphan mentality we're constantly offended constantly because we're owning other people's behavior and so what did your fear of rejection cost you i think that um in my earlier years it cost me relationships mm-hmm. explain that um well when you when you have a fear of rejection you're you're very insecure underneath it all mm-hmm. and so you might get offended easily um you might uh, create problems that aren't really there Do you ever reveal your true self if you're afraid of being rejected of course not no right. Right. so you're living you're living with a facade and a fake front and everything's fine but the right. truth is everything is not fine in relationships right. even the closest of friendships sometimes right. you need to have that important conversation right that has a fear of rejection will live their life never having the important conversation, but instead right. pushing the pain down. And mm-hmm. so then at different times, you might not be able to stop yourself from exploding, right? Right. Well, and, and I think too, because intimacy, you cannot have relational intimacy without being known. And loneliness Absolutely. is not when we don't have a bunch of interactions, it's when we feel like nobody truly knows us. That's, that is so true. And so for me, I wouldn't say that that was the cause of our divorce or what cost me Mm -hmm. the the first marriage, but I would say this, it definitely played into our relationship, not being completely healthy, because I will tell you, I avoided conflict at all costs. And so for all those years of marriage, even when things really hurt me or bothered me, I didn't talk about them a lot. Mm -hmm. Once in a while I would blow up and talk about them a little but I didn't talk about them a lot. I just pressed forward, the best face Mm -hmm. forward, um, trying to be a good wife, trying Mm -hmm. to be a good mother, because that was what was going to earn me love. Right. And I think there's from a place, it's an orphan mentality that I'm alone in this world and I have to make a place for myself. But when we are living in that mentality, a lot of, we we get offended a lot. We create a lot of drama, drama, drama. That's what it creates. A lot of drama. Yes. Um, 
But when we are living loved, we are living completely different. When we're living loved, we have peace. We um, tend to overlook offenses uh, way more than we hold on to them. It's Mm -hmm. very different when we're living loved. Um, Because that person doesn't define us. No. It doesn't define us, so it can't defeat us. That's perfect. Absolutely. Because what defines us is what's going to drive us. So if people are always defining us, we are going to be constantly driven to try to please people. Right. And let's talk about when you talk about conflict avoidance, because I think there's so much confusion in the evangelical community. It's, and there's the misconception that peace means the absence of conflict when mm-hmm. biblical peace means wholeness. Yes. I yes. think in our relationships, especially if you've got fear of rejection tagged on misconception mm-hmm. of what love and boundaries and peace mm-hmm really looks like those combined can be quite enslaving and quite destructive. Oh, absolutely. And, and we, ha- we do have it so mixed up about what peace is, is not the conflict of avoidance, but it is the steps to making peace with somebody. It is having honesty mm-hmm. um, and disclosure with people. Right. It is loving people, even though they hurt us. It is learning to work through things um, with the love of God, so to speak, as our mediator, basically letting that be our guide instead of chronically worried about what the other person is thinking. But but doing what is best for both, Mm -hmm. regardless of what it costs me, because I'm feeling secure. So I'm not worried about what it's costing me here. Right. And then also you, you touched on this briefly, but I think it's important to make sure we address how defense mechanisms that come from our past hurts and from our insecurities and from our fears, so often they can then result almost always in destructive behaviors, whether that's lashing mm-hmm. out and you talked about getting offended, false mm-hmm. perceptions, and then that in turn pushes others away which in yes. turn feeds our fear of rejection and creates totally. defense mechanisms. Yes, it's just a terrible cycle. So I think the important thing is, is we have to come to the point. So like when I got real with Jesus and I've had to get real with them over and over and over, like I keep pushing yeah, that button for sure. you know, and I will till the day I die. I have not attained anything. I'm just on a more exciting journey of experiencing his love. But Um, when we uh, push away all of our feelings and we don't get in touch at all to what's really going on inside of us, then it is impossible for us to get healed. My co-author, Joan Edwards Kay, and I that that wrote It's Complicated, she actually is a therapist. And, you know, we did spend some time like talking to different women about what some of their core beliefs or Mm -hmm. core lies were that they've discovered, you know, um, over the course of time. And some of them are things like, um, I'm alone. I'm all alone. Now, imagine if you feel like you're all alone in this world, Mm -hmm. how do you think you're going to, how do you think you're going to live? Right. You're going to sabotage when people are trying to get close to you because you really believe you're all alone. Um, another one is I do not belong mm-hmm. or I'm not enough or I cannot do things well enough or um, I always need to protect myself or it's not safe to trust others or it's always my fault. So for yeah. me, one of my triggers uh, lies was that everything's always my fault, which is yeah. just a shame-based like foundation right. of living. Right. So that's Absolutely. what changed for me. My whole foundation right. changed. So those are are all lies. Uh, All lies. And we're going to wrap this up. I mean, obviously, this is more of a a complicated issue than we'll fully, deeply address in 30 minutes. We hope that we've started the conversation. 
Yes. We've encouraged you just to evaluate those gut reactions, those defense mechanisms. When you fear, feel yourself tense up and your stomach not up, hit pause. Mm-hmm. Ask Jesus to show you, hey, what's really going on here? Yes. Give him the time to go deep. Ask him what lies have become connected because Debbie listed numerous lies. I'm all alone. I don't belong. I'm not enough. All of those. And, and she also hinted at or addressed uh, some places that we can go to find truth to that. Psalm 139 is, is a great one. I know that's been really instrumental in, in your life. And we need to learn to feel with Jesus and really root ourselves in him. So one of the resources I would encourage you to check out is her book. It's complicated because she talks about a lot of these details and, and you can find her on YouTube. She's got some great videos where she shares, just, just Google her name, Debbie Alsdorf and YouTube. I found lots of videos, Debbie, so you can, oh, no. <laughs> they're great. They were really helpful. And then you can also find resources and more of her story on her website, DebbieAlsdorf.com. We're going to have show notes that, so if you go to crosswalk backslash podcast, you can find the show notes for today's episode and we will give you more resources that you can take and some discussion questions that you can have with your group, your small group, or maybe your friends, or just to process through yourself. Because, you know, God wants to take us from women enslaved by insecurity to women of courage, of confidence, and impact. Like I said, life is too short, and we have too much to do for us to live enslaved. And as we walk closer to Him, and we listen to His guidance, we have the courage to be real, to be transparent with our Savior. He will lead us towards increasing freedom. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope that you'll subscribe and I would love it if you would rate it and if you would share it with your friends, because like I said, we don't want anyone to live enslaved and we want them to find some, some steps that they can live in deeper freedom. So thank you so much, Debbie, for joining us today. You've gave, you've given us some great things to think about. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build— It's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. 
But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.